I'm Randy Davis. I, I have the distinct privilege of pastoring First Assembly of God, very original name, in Lima, Ohio. And uh, we're known as the armpit of Ohio to some people. Um, it is not the greatest, most prosperous, most beautiful town I've ever lived in. Uh, I grew up in the foothills of the Ozark Mountains in Arkansas in a little town called Hector, uh, 449 people. Uh, we now have more people in our church than I have in my whole hometown. It's a pretty crazy story. But uh, I, I, I love the hills, so I like southern Ohio. So there in Lima, I go on Blue Lick Highway, or Blue Lick Road, and I sit on the overpass, so I feel like I'm up in the air a little bit. It's a true story. And uh, But what we're going to share today, and I say we, uh, Dave Rosnowski is my partner. I'm going to kind of start it off. He's going to share some things, and then we'll do some Q&A. What we're sharing is a model of men's ministry, not the model. I don't know what the model is. And they're like, well, give us your model. And I'm like, man, I hope somebody can do something with this. Well, let me, let me tell you kind of how it started. I was a, I was a youth pastor for 12 years. Got fired from that, but I got to stay on at the same church. It's a very unique situation. (laughs) And so my pastor said, why don't you go help the men? And I'm like, I've never really worked with men. I'm a youth pastor, but I guess I'm a guy. But my whole identity had been wrapped up in being a youth pastor. And so, like, the first prayer breakfast thing they had, and there was like seven of us, and uh, this was at Highway Tabernacle in Youngstown, Ohio, where I served for eight years as a staff pastor. And uh, they said, Pastor, we're going to take you to Firestorm. How many remember that? Back in the day, they got them firestorm drill kits and stuff, man. I just prayed I would win one. I never did. Left disappointed every year. Thank you, John Wooten, for that. But uh, I went, and, and, and I'll never forget the guy that took me. You just have to know Roger. Roger was our Royal Ranger guy, and he's the most humble man I've ever met in my life. And I'll never forget, he said on the way down, he said, Pastor, we're running late. I don't know where it is. I forgot the papers at home. Now, I run youth ministry where we would bring 150 kids to, to Columbus on buses and hotel. We'd rent the whole room, like a whole floor at the Red Roof Inn for youth convention. There's five of us in a van, and he hasn't got anything coordinated. I'm about to lose my mind. But then he finishes off. He goes, but for the first time in a long time, you get to just be a guy. And I'll never forget walking into Firestorm for the first time. I wasn't Pastor Randy. I was just a guy. And gentlemen, I can tell you, I've not missed one since that year. That event every year has single-handedly changed my life as a man. I challenge you to go if you're a pastor and not be a pastor. Tell your guys. I do. I tell them. I'm just a guy this weekend. Now, yeah, they're still going to call you pastor. But go on with the attitude, I'm going to go, I'm going to worship, I'm going to get on my face before God. I'm going to talk to God as a guy. Because you know, before you're a pastor, you're a guy. Do you know there's some pastors, forget that. I'll move on. You might be in here. All right. What is one of the most known and active ministries in most churches? You must be a pastor. (laughs) Who fulfills most volunteer roles in the church? You bunch of sissies. Did you hear what you just said? Isn't that sad, gentlemen? And we're about to get a woman president. You know what my mom said today? Died in the wool Democrat from Arkansas who know the Clintons, unfortunately. I hate to admit that. But my mom said today, she goes, Hillary Clinton should never be the president. She should stay at home and raise her family. I said, thank you, Mom. Could you get on it like CNN and tell somebody that? Okay, but why is that? Why is the greatest, most active ministry in the church women's? And, and why are they the most volunteers? Okay. Here's why we shouldn't do that. 
If you win a woman to Christ 35% of the time, in a good average, you'll win her family to Christ. If you win a man to Christ, 90% of the time you'll get his whole family. And yet, we let the women have all the fun. And that's why churches are dying. That's why they're feminized. I hate to say it that way, but it's true. You know, there, there's the one song our church sings, and our, our worship leader, she it's a lady. She knows when she sings it, I don't like this song. It's talking about when I lay against God's chest. And He holds me. I'm like, dude, that's just weird to me. Yes, I want Jesus to hold me, but laying up against His chest, feeling His breath, I'm like, hello. That's a woman's song. You know, power in the blood. All right, let's sing that song. All right? Let's cut somebody up. So, so what's wrong? Okay, here, here's, here's the problem. Proverbs 26 asks a very sobering question. But a faithful man who can find. When I was in Bible college, they used that against us guys all the time. Man, that hurt. They'd say a man eating lion got loose in the boys' dorm and they couldn't find anybody to eat. Uh, stuff like that. Guys, listen to me. We have to take back the church. And I don't mean run the women off. Listen to me. A pastor has to have a passion and a vision for men's ministry. I don't say the pastor has to do everything. I do very little. I help get guys to game day. That's my job. I tell my story. There's nothing that's changed me as a man more. When guys hear they're like, wow, that's pastor talking like, just like a guy. And all of a sudden our guy thing kicks in like, Wow, pastor's just a guy too. He's not somebody up on a platform with a microphone. He's just a guy. And all of a sudden, they start going. And Highway Tabernacle in three years, it went from five to seventy-five. Because the youth pastor that used to be was just a guy now on staff. Said, guys, you gotta go to then Firestorm now game day. Last year, our group was about a tenth of the audience of game day from Little Lima, Ohio. Why is that? Because I'm serious about men being men of God. Faithful men of God. It doesn't matter how great a pastor I am, how good of a husband am I? And who confronts that better than a men's event? How good of a father am I? Those are questions we need to be asking ourselves. Not how many people can I get together and hear my expert advice on life. What kind of guy am I? Those are things that I work on. Alright. Pastor doesn't have to do it all, but he needs the vision. Too many pastors are too insecure to be in the men's ministry. Yes, I said it. It's on tape. And I would say it to my brother. Listen to me. Men need to be more vulnerable Pastors need to more be more vulnerable with their men and say, you know what? I have temptations too. I have a new prayer. I started it this year. I don't even know where I heard it. Raj, you may have even said it. I don't even know where I heard this. But this year, I, 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 I've always had this wondering eye thing. I don't mean to. But if a good-looking woman walks by, it's hard not to notice. I'm a guy. i got blood running through my veins. But I started praying a new prayer, and it's simply this. God, may I only have eyes for my wife. And can I tell you, praying that prayer constantly all day, how much different it is when I see a good-looking woman walk by. It is a blip on the radar, dude. I don't, I, I'm not seeing them. And I heard it from a men's thing. May I only have eyes for my wife. I don't mean to gawk. Great story. Pastor Jay Offord, great man of God. And Brother Moore, the retired missionary Brother Moore, the old one, was on our staff one day. We were walking into a Damon's. I opened the door. I heard the whole conversation. And, a, and as Pastor Alford, he shared it from the pulpit. He said, a heavily endowed woman with a low-cut dress walks out. And Brother Moore almost walked right in to her bosom. He shared this in the whole church. It was really funny. I was there. I seen it. 
And Brother Moore steps back, kind of startled. And he says, Brother Moore, how old you got to be for that don't bother you no more? He goes, I don't know. I was like, there's hope for me. If we would be more honest and more sincere and more vulnerable. See guys, we all got issues. I got issues. You got issues. My house has issues. There's days my wife wants to kill me too. And when you get vulnerable and you sit in the meeting, that Roz leads instead of be over everything because you're in security, he might speak to me. He might make me feel convicted in my own church. You can't do that, Roz, but he does. Okay, so our model, game day is a big deal. Everybody say game day is a big deal. This game day is going to be a big, bigger deal. Heartland, guns, arrows. What guy doesn't want that stuff? Didn't I say power in the blood? I mean, there's going to be blood. Somebody's going to get shot. I just know it. I can't wait. Except, I should turn the recording off. I'm not sure I'm going to get to go this year. That's a whole other story. Second thing we do, we do a men's breakfast. I say all the time, Roz, do not call it a men's prayer breakfast. Most guys, when they hear the words prayer breakfast, they think men holding hands, which is very weird to a lot of men. And, and standing around and taking turns and squeezing the hand when it's your turn. Oh, I don't know how to pray. What do I do now? now? You may pray at your breakfast, but do not call it a prayer breakfast. Guys don't come to prayer breakfast. Guys come to eat. And make it good. There's someone in your church, there is a guy in your church that can make sausage, gravy, and biscuits like nobody's business. Our guy doesn't even come to our church. He's in our community. His wife comes, and I called him. I said, I need the best sausage gravy you ever made. And biscuits. And that's how we started our very first one in our new building. Dude, they licked the bottom of the bowl. It was so good. And somebody in your church can do that. Make sure you get good food. Have a good discussion. But don't weird them out with a bunch of stuff that they may or may not be ready for. Okay, women can hold hands and sing kumbaya. Guys, don't do that. We can pray, but make it manly. And don't make everybody do it. Yes? We do it once a month. And there are months that we skip just based on December's crazy. Okay? So we probably have 10 a year. 10 a year. Do it however you want. We try to do the same Saturday of the month. Second thing is relief trips, work trips. Guys love to do stuff. <laughs> I'm a pastor, and I like to pray. But I can only go to so many pastor prayer meetings without doing something with it. i got to do something. Okay, so we like to do stuff. He helps with that. Archery Connect Group. It's a new group in our church. Before bow season, a bunch of the guys decided they're going to come to the church, set a bunch of targets, and they got into this. I didn't even own a bow last year. And, and, and I, I ended up going to the shoot that day. I now have a bow. I've hunted all winter. Uh, they have longer seasons for pastors. I always have a funeral during gun season. It was amazing. I'm like, wow, I can kill a deer with a bow and a stick. This is cool. Now I didn't, but I still got out and it was amazing. And I shot all 30 targets in the heart. I would have killed them all. It was an amazing day for me and I'm probably never going to shoot again because I'll probably miss everyone now because I bragged. And the last thing we do is benevolence ministries in our church. We help our widows, and we help needy families outside our church. We have an ark ministry, acts of random kindness. Those are things we build around. Obviously, there's the ushers. There's other things, various areas of regular church ministry. But listen, our men's ministry is more active than our women's by design. Our women have Bible studies. Cool. Have fun. Our guys, we do stuff. We shoot things. We, we go build a set of steps for a handicapped guy. We do stuff. And we promote it. And Roz gets them going. So it's bigger than the women's ministry. We have more women in our church. We have guys in our men's ministry that their complaint is, my wife doesn't feel connected at our church. There ain't many churches talking like that. But our guys ain't saying that. It's intentional. Do we not like the women? I didn't say that. But what's happened is the guys get connected so fast, the women feel kind of like, well, I wish I could go to a breakfast. Sorry. 
They cook all the time. They don't want to cook. They want to go to Panera Bread and sip their tea. Do not ask me to meet you at Panera Bread. I will take your man card. I'm just saying. And those of you guys that like that place, you already lost your man card. I'm just saying. I go there for a daddy-daughter date, and that is it. Because my daughter loves it. Sorry. You come to Lima, I'll take you to Cupia, and I'll show you how to eat. Okay? That's it. All right. Uh, how do you make it happen? As a pastor, you pray for a Dave Rosnowski to show up on the scene of your life and help you. Okay? Dave's going to tell you more nuts and bolts of how all this happens. I, I, I'm, I'm the passion behind it because I love men's ministry. I do not have the time to make it happen. So, Dave, you come on up. He's going to share. He's going to take over, and then we're going to do some Q&A at the end. And you can interrupt him because he's like me. He's got a little passion and a little preach in him. Put that on there. Put that in your pocket. Do not push the buttons. Let's tear it up for Dave Rod now. All right. All right. So, uh, Better known as Roz. The Roz. Everybody calls me Roz. So... Um, you know, I just want to say that, as Pastor Randy said, you know, we, we don't think that we figured it out, but we think that we're heading in the right direction. And we, we're starting to really see some things happen in guys' lives. And I think that um, I was just came from another meeting, and some of the things that he was talking about are some of the uh, same things that we're doing. I wanted to share a few uh, statistics with you just to kind of give you an idea where we're at. And he was alluding to this um, in the men in the church. Um, listen to some of these uh, statistics. Women comprise 60% of a typical adult congregation on any given Sunday. So 60% of the people in the church are women. One-fifth of married women regularly worship without their husbands. So out of five women, you know, there's a one out of, 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 of five married women usually are not there with their husbands. Almost every man in America has tried church. They've been to church at least one time. 35% per, uh, 35% of the men uh, say they attend church weekly. Most of them are dragged in. That's two-thirds of the men that find it unworthy of a couple hours a week to come to church or be involved in anything else. 90% of American men believe in God, and five out of six call themselves Christians, but only two out of six attend church. Uh, I don't know if this, if these numbers bother you, but they, but they bother me. And I, and I think you can see where we're heading as a culture uh, today. Um, when, when we're in when we're in church, and I stand in the back of the church, I'm just going to get real with you guys for a second. When I stand in the back of the church, and I see all the women worshiping, I see all the women singing, and I see the guys standing there like this. And with their hands in their pocket, it bothers me. It bothers me. And I'm going to tell you right now, if that doesn't bother bother you, then you shouldn't be in men's ministry. You, you need to be an usher. You need to be, you know, you need to be something else in the church. I mean, but I, I'm telling you right now, if that has got to bother you, seeing guys fail morally, seeing guys not being the husbands that they're called to be. That's got to be a passion uh, in your spirit, okay? Because if you're in this room just because your pastor said, hey, I need somebody to do the men's ministry, you're like, oh, I guess I'll do it. You know, and, and, and you're just kind of going through the motions and your heart's not really in it, then you need to get a different assignment. I'm just being real with you. Because this, I'm going to tell you something, guys. This is a tough ministry. This is a messy ministry. I've seen, I see guys broken, marriage is failing, crazy stuff happening. And you know what? And it's not a very glamorous ministry either. You know, you know who gets all the promotion? Is, all, is the kids' ministry. Right? The men's ministry doesn't get a lot of glamour. And that's okay. But it's one, as he, as, as Pastor said, it's probably the most critical ministry in our churches. And um, I love this quote out of this book. It says, um, "It says if you have a thriving church without a core of men who are true followers of Christ, if the men are dead, the church is dead. If the men are dead, 
the church is dead. So crazy, crazy things um, that we see happening in our churches when the men start to uh, really step up. I want to share a couple books with you. All those quotes. I don't know how many people have ever read this book. Why men hate to go to church. Anybody read it? Okay. If you haven't read this, uh, I just started reading it. I'm like four or five chapters in on it. It's great. It really gives you a good perspective, and Pastor Randy was alluding to this, of what men think. We have, we have based um, our church on a women's culture. And I'm like him. When they start singing these high songs and this real high pitch, and I'm trying to worship and sing like a girl, it doesn't work for me. Am I the only one? Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. And so, you know, we want, to, we want to sing like men. We want to be men. We, we, want, to, we want to do the things that, that men want to do. And so this is a great book that kind of talks about that culture that we've created in our churches today. And I'm not, I'm not promoting everything that's written in this book, but I'm saying there's some good stuff in here that's true. Another book that I'm, um, I'm about three quarters uh, through is called Effective Men's Ministry. Anybody ever read this book? Okay. Um, basically, these are uh, guys that have done uh, men's ministry, and they take different areas in the uh, in the church and things, and they talk they talk about that, and they kind of give you some uh, ideas. Um, one of the uh, I'll give you an example of idea that they gave. Um, they really kind of helped me out, and they they said uh, you can't do it alone. Now, I just soon do it myself. I don't like to have to mess around with other people. It takes too much time. You know, I gotta train them. I gotta finally tell them what to do. Then I gotta follow up with them. And it's just like, I'd just rather just do it myself. I can get it done quicker. But then what happens when I can't do it? And so what, what God's really been showing me, and, and one of the things that this was really alluding to was identifying the men that are in your church, identifying what their gifts are, and putting them into, uh, you know, in a place in the men's ministry that are utilizing their gifts and accomplishing what you need to accomplish. I got a guy who, you know, what his gift is setting up tables, tearing them down. He's the best at it, you know, and that's what he does. I got another guy; he cooks bacon. He's the bacon ma- master, you know. So again, I got a guy who can pray. He's a, he's a prayer warrior. I mean, he can, he can take a guy and just look him straight in the eye and, and speak truth and, and, and pray with him. So again, you know, one, these are things that you'll learn as you, as you get into men's ministry. And I'm not telling you guys anything you don't know. So let me give you um, some thoughts here about um, all these events and activities. I feel like there's, a, there's some common things that, that are involved with here. And I just want to touch on just a few of them. So men's ministry is about relationships. Okay? Um, I, need, I need for you to be able to look a guy in the eye and there has to be a connection, there has to be a relationship there. Okay? And you got you got to be able to do that. When a guy walks in on, on Sunday morning, uh, you as a men's ministry director ought to be greeting as many of those guys in that church as you possibly can, talking to them, Asking them questions, getting into their world, you know, encouraging them, whatever. But you've got to establish relationships with the men because if, if you don't have a relationship with them, they're not going to follow you. They're not going to come to your events. They're not going to, they're not going to seek you for counsel. They're not, they're not going to trust you. Okay. You've got to have a personal relationship with these guys. And your leaders will then, in turn, you know, develop relationships with them. So you need to create those relationships. And again, there's a lot of ways that you can do that. And in the last um, uh, class we were just in, they were talking about just picking guys and texting them once a week. Or Facebook. We have a Facebook page. It keeps guys connected. So, relationships. Training. Um, training and teaching. Um, again, um, you know, through all these things, you need to look at opportunities of how do you train and teach your men in your church to do what you're asking them to do. Okay, so if you're if you're asking guys to pray, so if I say Matt, I need you to pray, man, and Matt's like, I've never prayed out loud before. Okay, 
I, I need to, I need to help Matt. I need help Matt to learn how to pray out loud. I need to encourage Matt to, to get to that position where he can do that. You know, we need to, we need to step in and, and help train and, and teach these men to do um, whatever we're asking them to do. Okay? Um, three, and I'm just going to give you four here. Three is um, a diversity and opportunities uh, for men. And what I mean is, um, as he likes to uh, shoot bows and stuff, and I, and I actually went to the bow shoot and I, I did like it, but I didn't go out and buy a bow. But I'm not a hunter. Like, 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 you know, my friend over here, Josh, like, he's, he's a hunting man. You know, look at the, he's got the beard, and he's, I've seen him with his grizzly beard this winter, and he's a hunter. Okay? And guys will relate to him as a hunter, but what about the guys that aren't hunters? I mean, they're just not going to relate to that. So you've got to get things, uh, in place that will reach out in a diverse way to all different men in your church. So, you know, do things that will reach the multitudes. And, that, and again, you have to know the people in your church. Like, we have a basketball thing on Tuesday nights. We get guys come in and play basketball. They won't go hunting, but they'll play basketball. We've got guys that do euchre. You know, they're euchre. There's, you know, there's a different things. That, and I'm not trying to tell you to do a bunch of programs, but you need to try to figure out what guys, um, what guys enjoy doing. And reach out and try to minister to them in that area. Um, we get a lot of people that come from outside of our church because they come to an event or an activity that they wanted to do. I'll give you an example. We went up to Cabela's and did a trip. Took like 23, 24 guys up to Cabela's. And several of them were guys that had never ever been to our church, but they wanted to go to Cabela's. You know. And so that's you, you do things that will reach those people that maybe won't come to a prayer meeting or won't come to a you know this or that. Um, and then when you do those things, make it worth their time. If you walk out of this room today and you say, "Man, that was a wasted hour. I, I, that was a wasted hour of my time. That would kill me. That would kill me because." I, your time is valuable. Men's time is valuable. And so when you come to a men's breakfast or you come to an event, you can't just throw it together at the last minute. You've got to make sure that you have things in place that when they come and they leave there, it's been profitable for their time. You know, you don't, don't make it so big and so crazy. You know, have some consistency in it and have some, some meat there so that when that guy leaves... He, he's gotten something that he couldn't get if he went anywhere else. When, when he comes to the men's breakfast, you know, you know what he's going to get? He's going to get fellowship. He's going to get guys, you know, let's go. You know, hey, man, how you doing? You know, that's something he's not getting at home. That's, not, that's something he's not getting at work. Hey, man, how's it going, man? You doing good? Man, what's going on? You know? When he walks out of there, he's going to feel like, man, somebody cares about me. i got a friend. So give them something that, that makes them want to come back, that, that's, that touches them, that profits you know, their time so that they'll keep coming back. i got a guy, he's like, I'm never missing a men's breakfast because there's something there that he gets he doesn't get anywhere else. Is all this making sense? Is it helping you? All right, I'm going to end with this one. Be the example. Are you, are you listening to me? You've got to be the example. How can you expect men in the church to worship God if you're not worshiping? How can you expect men in the, in the church to be spirit-filled if you're not spirit-filled? How can you expect men to pray out loud if you won't pray yourself? How can you expect men to love their wives if you're not loving your wives? Come on now. Right? This is where we're at, guys. We have got to start stepping up and being the example. Quit telling guys what to do and show them through your life and through your actions. And this is what I see a lot of guys doing. They want to be these leaders. They want to tell everybody what to do, but they won't do it themselves. They won't. 
Oh, you should go to the prayer meeting. Really? Well, then, then I'll go with you. Let's go. You know, and so we've got to step up and, and be like Paul. And Paul said, follow my example as I what? Follow Christ. You follow Christ and they'll follow you. And so I really think that, you know, we don't have it figured out. We, we, we've got a, we've got a base here, you know, and, and, and I'll, and I'll be honest, you know, Josh, uh, he's, he's the, uh, men's director over at Walpock, um, Worship Center, Walpock Community Worship Center. And, um, you know, and, and they have a good group of men there, you know, and I, I wanted to get involved there, but I just didn't feel the commitment. And then when I, when I came over here, uh, to, um, Lima First Assembly, and they were like, we had a meeting one night, and they were like, we really need a men's director. We really need a men's director. And so I'm kind of looking around, <laughs> you know, waiting for someone else to raise their hand. And, uh, and all the time, you know, that spirit stirred in me, you know, and God's saying, it's you, it's you. I'm like, no, I don't have time for that. I, I work with teenagers. No, it's you. <laughs> and here we are, you know, two years later. You know, I'm just telling you, we're doing some things right, but, but if you'll take just these few things I gave you right here today and you'll start to implement them in your men's ministry, I think you'll start to see some profit. So I think uh, we're going to open up for a few questions now. Okay, a couple, couple more thoughts, real quick. Because I know some of you guys get those But we are here till 40. Okay, I want to share just a couple more thoughts real quick. Then we're going to do questions. Okay. One of the things that, again, I think Roz and I would compliment each other with is, is the whole, and, and what he won't tell you is, uh, we don't just have bacon, we have some meat. Okay, when he says give them something to take home, Roz always has a great word to challenge men from a men's perspective. He's prayed over it. He's sought God over. I have nothing to do with it. I don't, I don't say, hey, here's the theme of the month. Good luck. It's, he, he has to own that. What I say? I have passion for vision for men's ministry. I think you can feel I care about men's ministry, but I can't carry it. He has to have the heart. He has to be sensitive. What's God saying to the men of Lima first for me? And you know what? I go in there, not as pastor, but I say earlier, I go in as a guy, and every time I leave, going, oh, crud. I'm just supposed to show up and rah-rah, show a little support. Crud, I'm feeling convicted. How does that happen? Because he's had a word from God for the men of God. And or, we have guys that come every month that they don't even know God. But they get introduced like, wow, this is for real. Okay, so so here, here's why it's important. Three boys are in the schoolyard bragging about who had the better father. How many remember, my daddy can beat up your daddy? Okay? Alright. First boy says, my dad scribbles a few words on a piece of paper. He calls it a poem. They give him a hundred bucks. The second boy says, that's nothing. My dad scribbles a few words on a piece of paper. He calls it a song and they pay him a thousand dollars. My son said, my dad's even better than that. He scribbles a few words on a piece of paper, calls it a sermon, and it takes six to eight men to take up all the money. Now, some of y'all catch that later. Listen, it's kind of funny, but the truth is, you know why we got to get this right? Because our kids are counting on us. They don't write books about the mother wound. They will. Because if your church is like our church, we have three men in our church that their wives walked away, left them with their children, and are gone. I don't know if that's happening in your church. That's happened. Three men in our church every Sunday. Their wives have walked away from their... Little girl had her 12th birthday two weeks ago. Her dad came to me and said, Pastor, it's the fourth year her mom has not remembered her birthday. So the books will change in a few years. But right now the book is on the father wound. And how my dad hurt me. I could write the book. My dad left when I was 15. Took on another family. Another responsibility. 
I started preaching when I was 12. Felt called at 9. Started preaching at 12. Dad left at 15. I said, God, if this is you, see ya. What we do matters. Not just for our church, but it matters personally. But here's what I know about our kids. I know this firsthand. Our kids really do want us to get it right, and they're resilient. I don't care how bad a father you may have been in the past. You can start over again today. How do I know that? The reason my dad it hurt so bad is because I loved him so much. I wanted my dad to beat up your dad. I wanted my dad to get it right. I wanted it so badly. Twenty-something years later, I don't know if any of you, most of you don't know me on Facebook, but I posted yesterday, it was my dad's birthday, 75 birth, 75th birthday. Two years ago in September 2014, I went to see him. He was so ill, gravely ill, I literally cried almost half the way back from Arkansas, thinking I would never see my father again. My dad started getting better, took a turn. In the last two years, he has flown his experimental airplane that he put together from a kit to all the lower 48 states. He was on 27 news programs, interviewed in 40-something newspapers. He picked up cancer patients and flew them around and told them about Jesus. You want to get people's attention, you can do that in an airplane, especially when you tell them you built it. There you go. Actually, it's his fifth, but that's a whole other story. Why do I tell you this? My dad came to our church when he flew to Ohio. He landed here in Delaware. He landed over in Youngstown, and he took people from Ohio and came to Youngstown, or to uh, Lima. And I'll never forget, for the first time since my dad left at 15, my dad impressed me more than he ever had, not because he was trying to, because for the first time in a long time, I seen my dad trying to impress God again. What we do matters. My dad didn't fly that plane to impress his son. He said, I had a bucket list, but God changed it. Don't just go to all 48 states. Pick up somebody and tell them what I've done in your life. He's a five-time cancer survivor. And he has cancer right now. He says, son, I'm going to live till I die. And he is. He just finished his book. Took it to the publisher. He's from Arkansas. They said, sir, we got some grammar we got to correct. It may take a little while. He just told me that yesterday. Listen to me. I'm more proud of my dad than I've ever been. Not because dad was trying to impress me or win me back. Because he tried that for years. You know why I'm proud of my dad today? Because my dad's doing all out for God. Do you want to impress your kids? you want to impress people around you? Go all out for God. Be serious about your commitment. Now I say that, and yet in my own home right now, there's a little turmoil. We had to share with our church last week. My 19-year-old daughter... Went to a college campus one night to see a friend and somehow ends up going to have a child. I wasn't ready for that. That wasn't what I had planned for my little girl. Well, I coached in softball from the time she was eight years old all the way through high school. Plans to go to college and pitch. She's going to play in a Women's World Series in Oklahoma City someday. What what I have planned, guys. I told a friend, I, I know I didn't lose my daughter, but I lost the life that I had planned for her. By one night, one bad decision. Now guys, this is only a three-week-old story. I found out at Kalahari at Minister's Retreat. But I can tell you in three weeks, I have processed. I'm going to be your daddy 
and I'm going to be that baby's granddaddy. I don't care how it got here. And I'm going to tell you, that's not easy. Because I raised her different. I taught her different. But except for the grace of God, I didn't do any different. She looked at me and she says, Dad, what do you think? I said, sweetheart, I've told you before, on my hiatus from God, I did a lot of things I regret. Except for the grace of God, you'd have had brothers and sisters that you don't even know about. She said, really, Dad? I said, sweetheart, come here. And, and I don't know if any of you experience It's the weirdest thing because part of me wanted to choke her head off. And part of me wanted to go buy a baseball glove. Why do we got to get it right? Because the kids are watching. And even when they don't get it right, they're still watching how we handle them not getting it right. And all the times as a youth pastor, I walk many, many families through teenage pregnancy. And I would tell the girls every time, hey, sweetheart, it's not the unpardonable sin, it just feels like it. Because in the church world, that's kind of how we treat it. And you know, over the last week, I read probably 25, I said 85 articles. It seemed like it may have been, but it's probably more like 25 or 30. Dr. Dobbins wrote an article on teenage pregnancy. James Dobson, Jerry Fall. I'm, I'm talking as conservative as they come. You know what every one of them said to a T? Pregnancy out of wedlock is not a sin. It's the consequence of sin. And once they say, I'm sorry, it's no longer to be condemned, but to be celebrated. I'm thinking, wait a minute, I don't want to celebrate this. Are you kidding me? My son and I were riding back from Delaware yesterday because we had a leaders meeting down here and he had come down and went and met with a friend. He's on spring break and both of my kids are in college. And So we were coming back and he's really struggling with this whole deal. Because my son lives it, man. He's, he's on that college campus where she went for a visit and, and he don't do what they do. He doesn't go there on weekends. He comes home. He's... He doesn't drink. He never has. He's waiting till marriage, and he's mad at his sister. And and I'm trying to process with him. And I said, "Son, how you doing with your sister?" He said, "Dad, I'm mad." I said, "You know, when that kid gets here, I don't care how mad you are today. You're gonna love that niece or nephew like nothing you've ever experienced in your life." Because see, both my sisters had kids out of wedlock. My first sister got pregnant at 15. Had a child shortly after her 16th birthday. She had her first grandbaby at 49, and the lady says, oh, your daughter must be so young. And she goes, no, I was. My daughter's 23. <laughs> Angela's the love of my life, my little niece. And then my other sister, same thing, later on, kind of more like my daughter. Knew better, one night stand, got a kid to prove it. Yeah. I've taught that lesson. I've taught them it can happen in one time, and here we are. Pastor, what are you going to do about it? First thing I did was confess... To our board, what was going on? Second thing we did is we told the church as soon as possible. Because guess what? Some of those things you want to get ahead of, right? I don't know that we did it right or we did it wrong, but here's what happened last week at our church. Because a pastor lives transparent, and a pastor is not afraid to say I screwed up. And maybe sometimes I put the church in front of my daughter. Maybe I did, but I can't wear that today. Because that's the same guilt she's carrying of the sin of sex outside of marriage because now she has the consequence of that sin. I may be living with the consequence of some of my sin, but it's not the time to beat me up. But here, here's, here's what happened. We Somehow after church, we were, we were going out with a family. It was my son's 21st birthday last Saturday. And, and uh, a family that just loves him said, hey, we want to take you all out and honor Bryden for his birthday. So we did. And and my wife went to Walmart. That's her Sunday after church thing. I guess that's her stress relief. I don't know. I don't want to go anywhere near Walmart Sunday after church. And uh, my son said, Dad, drop me off to church. we got some new stuff to do for fine arts. And my daughter says, Dad, just take me home with you. So we go our separate ways. She's in a car. And I looked around and I said, Baby girl, I said, uh, that's what do you think about today? Because we read a letter. One of our board members read a letter. And the whole staff and the board was on the platform with my daughter and my wife and myself. And they read the letter. And she, I said, I said, how do you think today went? She says, Dad, I gotta be honest. 
Now, she's 19. She's not a dummy. She's been to church her whole life. She loves her church. The, the, the greatest compliment I have is my kids don't only love their church, they serve their church. They, they're both so involved. And the only reason we felt we needed to make a public proclamation is because she is a leader in our church, not because she's the pastor's daughter. That would be pretty cruel. But she's a leader. She's a youth leader. She's a worker. She's a server. Okay? So as a worker, we need to let people know what's going on, and it does affect our family. So we did this. And, and she said, Dad, I really thought Brian would read the letter, Jason would pray, and everybody would just go home. I said, oh, yeah? She's sitting in the back of my truck. You know, you got the two-seater. I dropped my son off, so she stays in the back. I'm the chauffeur now. Now look back. Tears. She said, Dad, I never dreamed they would line up to hug me and tell me they love me. By the hundreds. In the letter we had wrote, I, 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 I wrote the letter with John Wooten's help and another pastor friend of mine that went through this, his help. And, and I wrote a line in there that Brian is reading that we the board and the staff are standing in support of our pastor and his family in Auburn, and we would like you to stand with us. Well, I didn't write that, that they would literally stand, and literally everyone stood. I thought that's a Graceville church. Folks, listen to me. Guys, the reason we're real, the reason we got to live our life out loud is because people are watching us. And if you hide things and you contain things and you withhold things, people won't trust you with anything. And when all hell breaks loose, you'll be standing on an island by yourself. Sunday, grace was extended because grace is extended. Too much is given, much is required. I've received a lot of grace in my day. Dude, I'm a grace-filled preacher. I don't preach condemnation. I lived under it half my life. Half my preaching life, I lived under condemnation. I'm against it. There is power in the blood. There's victory in the name of Jesus. Listen, we're men. And I'm all about beating you up. Pretty soon to my kids. Our kids need us to get this right. Our churches need us to get this right. And I don't mean perfect. Ain't none of us perfect. And if you think you are, man, we got a bigger problem than men's ministry. How many pastors are in here? Just a couple. That's even better. Gentlemen, if your pastor is not transparent, help him be transparent. Get real with him. Be a Ross who will not let me go. Pastor, how you doing? Pastor, how you doing? How you really doing? Shut up, Ross. It's none of your business. He's my thorn in the flesh sometimes. And I give him permission to be. Why? Because we all need that. And I'm going to tell you another thing you can do for your pastor. Guard his schedule. There's a word that I learned. There's so much I could tell you guys, and I'd probably bore you to death, but our church has had tremendous growth in the last five years, and it's just about to kill me. That's just the bottom line. Because I'm still pastoring like it's 200, and it's not. And it's killing me. And we're making some changes. And one of the things it said, take a sabbatical. My sabbatical did not go real well. <laughs> anyway, but the point of all of this is, listen, I read about the word Sabbath. And, the, you know, we, we, we see it in Scripture. It says, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. And we think something reverent about Sabbath. So to have a Sabbath for a pastor, we need to go to a retreat place and pray all day like a monk. But that's wrong. Actually, Sabbath, if you look up the word, means to waste time. Now, how many pastors do you know that waste time? Now, this is after I've been on the sabbatical for six weeks. I read about Sabbath. And in the article, and it's in the sabbatical book that John Wooten gave me on how to take a sabbatical. I read it after I got done. I'm not the smartest bulb in the bunch, guys. And, 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 and it was called on Sabbath. And it said, if you would do Sabbath better, you wouldn't need sabbatical. (laughs) 
Pastor, when's the last time you took a day and wasted some time hunting, fishing, playing with your kids, going to a ball game, get out of town with your wife? And that's not wasting time, it's investment. But, but, but you understand what I'm saying? Like, like I always thought Sabbath, man, ooh, I had to go to a prayer meeting. That's why I didn't like that word. I'd rather go fishing. I pray all the time. I do are you guarding your pastor's Sabbath? Because I'm going to tell you what. If you're not helping your pastor keep a day off, nobody is. I'll guarantee you there's not. Everybody wants me to have a day off unless it's their emergency. And, 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 and emergencies defined, but what's an emergency to you, not me? Can I get a witness in the house? Come on, brothers. I know you're laid men, but listen to me. Your pastor needs you to help him guard that day. Yes. Man, what church is that? <laughs> my board sent me to my house for six weeks. <laughs> yes, right here. And now we're going to do question answers. Come on up, Ross. Yes. Amen. And uh, it was about the same time that my dad went into heart surgery and came out with a stroke. Mm. And so between working through my father and us as a board, um, <clears throat> trying to convince our pastor to take some time off, they got revealed, um, I can't remember exactly where it was at, but in the Old Testament, it talks about the fact that God sold Israel into the hands of the Babylonians. It was because they did not allow the land to rest. And God put them into a forced rest. And it revealed to me of the fact that because of my dad and the lifestyle he lived, yet God forced him into a forced rest. I said, Pastor, if you don't rest, God will make you. My six week sabbatical, five of them were spent with a purple travel pillow, my daughter's purple travel pillow. I didn't own it. I borrowed it. In a recliner sitting for five weeks with three herniated discs in my neck that happened the week before I took my sabbatical. Rick Warren says it this way, if you don't tell your body when to rest, your body will tell you. I'm going to tell you that is not what I had planned for my sabbatical. And I'm still going through it. I had a shot yesterday and my arm is numb right now as we speak. So, uh, I'm not done. It is God's way of saying, listen to me. Settle down, take care. And, and you know what? If pastors don't do it, the men in the church ain't doing it. The men's director may not be doing it. It's all of, see, that's where we're guys. That's where the guy comes in. And we say we gotta take care of ourselves. If we don't, nobody else will. Derek. Can you paint a picture for me of what your guys' men's breakfast looks like? On yeah. Guys show up at what? 6.30, 7 o'clock, start cooking? Uh, start cooking. We have, you know, people who cook cooking. And then, um, 8 o'clock? 8 o'clock, guys start showing up. We have uh, breakfast. And then we, uh, then we have worship. Uh, bringing someone to do worship. And it's manly worship? Manly worship. Yeah, by men? Singing like men. <laughs> and, uh, and then we do uh, um, devotion. And then we end in prayer. And, uh, oh, we take an offering. Yeah, don't forget that. Yeah. That's how I get to go to Myrtle Beach next year. But, uh, that's, that's typical, but, um, you know, I think there's there's something in consistency that is key. You so that guys kind of, I mean, you, you can have unexpected things, but you want things that are consistent in what you're doing. So when they come, they know they're getting food. They know they're getting bacon. You know? Bacon's got to be there. And so they, I mean, that's, they know they're, they know they're gonna they're gonna have a time to worship. You know, they know they're gonna get a word. So, I mean, if they're just coming to get, like, fellowship, again, they can go anywhere and get fellowship. Right. You can go to the bowling alley and get fellowship, but you can't go anywhere and get a word. So give them something that they can't get. Right. Can I ask a follow-up? Yeah. What, what's the age demographic of your of your guys? 18 to 70. Yep. And you, and you have a, a good mix of all of those. Yeah, yeah we, we do. We have a really good mix, yeah. It's middle. I, I mean, it's our age is the average age. You know, when I got to Lima first, the average age was Pastor Hall's age, 62. Mel was on the board that brought me there. 
And then he left. Thanks, Mel. And uh, the average age of six was 65, and the average age of the boy was 66. And I was the third youngest guy in the church. And you know, the key is if you get a young pastor, you'll grow your church. So I'm going to tell you, that is not the key to growing a church. <laughs> they just about killed me. But anyway, we're, we're doing good now. But, but seriously, consistency, like the third sun, Saturday, except, you know, like I said, two months, we usually don't do it. And a, and a real big deal to do, and this is where I think Roz is trying to ramp up this year from last year, is you got a key on game day. As soon as you get back, you got to have something planned to help them. Now, they used to do when John Wooten was doing it, and Conan them did a thing last year too, but if the, if the network doesn't provide some type of seven-day devotional or a 10-day devotional, and John Wooten used to do a 30-day. So for the next month, he'd hand you a booklet as you were leaving. he said, read this for 30 days, or they give you the wristbands. Roz has his on, you know, and, and they give you like a reminder to what you got. Don't forget it. Well, you need to key on that when you get home. Do something. That would be a great time the next Saturday or maybe two weeks because the wife's not going to let them be gone two Saturdays. You know how that is. So the next Saturday, two weeks later, have a breakfast keying on, hey, guys, from game day, what happened? Okay? Guys love stories. Roz don't always have to speak. He can have some of the other guys share their testimony, and he does. He'll say, hey, tell me, tell me what happened in your life last month. So get them involved, and he's very good at that. Pastors are good at speaking and you listen, right? You you need to facilitate it, not just preach it. So, a couple more. We get to go to lunch after this, so. He doesn't even like his wife. No, I love my wife. She's <laughs> awesome. Um, well, you know, I think, you know, my, my wife is on board because she knows that if I'm doing what God's called me to do, then things are better than in our relationship. And I think that um, she has a lot of uh, influence in the church with other women in the church. And, um, um, she, you know, women many times say, hey, can you get my, my husband to go to game day? You know, can you or can you get my husband to go to the men's breakfast so that you can pour into him, you know, because... You know, there's areas in his life that maybe he might be weak in. So my wife is a big supporter of me because she knows that I can help other men in the church as well. So um, I think the key with that is communication. Like you, you let your wife know what you're doing and when you're doing it and why you're doing it, and then she'll support you. But if you just come in and you throw stuff at her and say, "Hey, I'm I'm going to do this, this, and this," then you know you're going to have some issues. Well, you have to talk to her, yes. You have to communicate, yes. Uh, and I might add to that, he's also, him and his wife are our couple's ministry coordinators. Um, and she goes to a lot of the women's things. Now, now I'm going to tell you one more thing to do. Don't expect your pastor to be at every breakfast. And here's why. When I talk about Sabbath, sometimes my Sabbath is Saturday. And, I, and Roz knows I'm going to be there when I can, but I can't go every time. Because if I go every time, I may not be getting my Sabbath. So, pastors, we need to promote it. We need to be involved. We need to help as much as we can. And, again, game day is huge. I, if your pastor doesn't go to game day, make him go to game day. Twist his arm, handcuffs, whatever you do. Hijack him. Your pastor needs game day as a man. And promote it that way. Okay? The other thing, again, and, and, and he's very good with his wife, and their, their work for our church is amazing. They're helping us. They're helping couples. But they, they, they really do have a heart. Especially for the men, because his wife will tell you, the better he does, the better they do. Period. And it's just true. It's just, it's the way of the world. So guys, we have to get it right. Your kids want you to beat up somebody else's daddy. So, get it right. And even if you messed up before now, they're still rooting you on. Mine, 30 years later. So, trust me. They want you to get it right. We gotta get it right. Our men need us to get it right. And, uh, if you have questions, uh, Randy at LimaFirst.Church Roz at LimaFirst.Church Look our website up LimaFirst.Church It's pretty simple Find us, talk to us, ask questions Come over, come see what he's doing And another thing I'm going to encourage And this, you know, Josh being here We want to start doing stuff with other men in our section In our area 
Maybe you don't have but three or four guys in your church that are willing to do it. Well, then give them another church that has three or four guys and meet at a restaurant and have a great time. Who says it has to be a one church thing? We're all in one church, aren't we? So get together, do stuff together. The shoot that they used to do, they're going to try to bring that back. Some churches got more into that than others. I did and I lost and I got my feelings hurt and hadn't been back. No, I'm kidding. Uh, it's fun. There's things to do. So get involved. Find out what Conan and his dad are doing. Get involved in the stuff you can. Do something. Go to game day. I'm telling you. Conan should pay us for telling you, but I'm telling you, it's the catalyst for everything else you do. Go to game day for yourself and nothing else. Let me pray for you. Father, thanks for these men and uh, their time and attention. I pray that they will leave with a burden to do more. God, people are counting on us, people we don't even know. They need our energy. They need our best effort. God, we need to be close to you so we can give them our very best. I pray you be with us the rest of this day and just bless all that we're doing for you in our churches, in our homes, in our communities. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, God.